What contributes to a bad day? Is it the events themselves, or is it the mindset we have for that day? For me, I would credit that towards a bit of both. There's always a trajectory for both good things and bad things. If your shirt tears, that's an opportunity to get some fresh brand new ones and look good. If you run low on money, that's a good incentive to find ways to make more money and build up your work ethic. If a bird craps on your car, it's a good reason to actually get around to finally cleaning your car. All that to say, there's circumstances and there's reasons. Circumstances are the things that are presented to us, and reactions are just the way we feel about them. It's not always easy, simply because talking about it and trying to figure it out in the heat of the moment are very, very different. But there's something to be said about realizing those differences as early as you can. Because awareness is a muscle. The more you build it up, the better conditioned it'll be, the smoother and looser it'll be when the time comes to use it. Just some food for thought. Borealis Entertainment presents Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home A Podcast Memoir by M.K. Lott Chapter 36 The Mondays There's only one thing I would say that's worse than a Monday and that's a Monday after a vacation. The day that's known for jolting you back in momentum when you've basically been stuck in time for longer than two days and suddenly you have to wake up and say to yourself, ah, damn it. I, for example, once had a post-vacation Monday that was so bad, it started on Sunday. That's how much it sucked. It came with a prequel that no one asked for. I was ending my week-long vacation, and I spent record time packing up my one bag and waiting for my phone to fully charge before I hit the road. In light of work and transit, when I visit my family in Vegas, I have to devote an entire day to just driving. In fact, I tend to add an extra day to my vacations just so I can recalibrate in between travel and work. But I was driving out of Vegas, as I normally do, and I think I was just transitioning out of Lamb Boulevard in Northtown, and I just felt icky. Right? That's the best description of how I was feeling. It was just icky. I had necessarily no reason to be in a bad mood. The weather wasn't bad, the traffic was nowhere to be found, but let's just say I was glad I was driving alone, <laughs> because it would have been an awkward eight hours for my passenger. And I just started to notice, as I began to hear the engine be a little more fierce than usual, that I was speeding like I owed money to the mob. I didn't change anything about it, because why the hell would I with my mood? At the very least, I was courteous enough to be in the left lane, which meant I was in the line of sight of everyone, including a highway patrol officer. He wasn't camping, which I have to appreciate with hindsight. Many officers will purposely hide or camp behind a big enough bush to hide their car or the pillar of a bridge just to jump out and be like, over to the shoulder, bitch! But he was in plain sight. In fact, I would say he was on the shoulder of the road. He was far enough out that as I felt myself speeding, we locked eyes, 
had a mutual understanding that I fucked up and began to crank his wheel. He didn't have to turn his lights on for very long until I was already slowing down on the shoulder and just thinking to myself, how fucking perfect is that? A day so shitty, I'm getting pulled over for the first time. So I tried to work on my breathing and keep as calm and collected as I possibly could, but let's be honest here. I was so nervous and frustrated, I could feel every nut and bolt in my car shivering with nervousness and irritation that out of anyone I was going to meet today in any other kind of situation, I happened to be meeting a cop on a highway because I was speeding. As he took his time collecting whatever resources he needed to collect or whatever cops do in that alleged hour of time they spend before they approach your passenger door, I saw him start to calmly walk in my side mirror, and so I courteously rolled down my window. He greeted me with a smile and asked the classic question as if we both knew the answer because we both did. How's it going? Know why I pulled you over? And I was this close this close to being a smartass and saying, let me guess, my front license plate is missing. But he carried on because we both knew the answer, and he said, you were going 88 and a 75. But tell you what, I'll put you down for going five over. That way it doesn't affect anything and you'll just have to pay for the ticket. Can I see your license registration? I stared back at him baffled because I don't like to get a ticket. No one likes to literally pay for their consequences, but if I was going over a certain amount, then I'm willing to pay the consequence that's accurate to my actions. He noticed my baffled look and assured me that he was more than willing to do that, and I just went into autopilot just trying to find my driver's license and pull up my registration and insurance information on my app. Now, for those who've never driven through the desert between Nevada and Arizona, there are a lot of dead spots where reception is moot and it only makes sense that he pulled me over in a dead spot. So I asked him to give me a moment while the app began to load, to which he said, sure, let me print out that ticket for you. He left to his car, and I was left to refreshing and rebooting and re-everything on this damn app to prove to him that I indeed was legitimate. But no matter how much you try, you can't pull bars out of thin air. Unless you're a really, really good rapper. So he came back with a freshly printed ticket and asked once more for the registration and insurance. I showed him my phone to prove that I wasn't sitting around with a wandering eye and that all I could do was hope for the best. You know what? Don't worry about it, the cop said. I trust you. Just make sure you print out a physical copy in case this happens again. I was so shocked I let slip out, are you sure? He affirmed that he was indeed sure and reminded me to just be mindful of how fast I was going next time. Our conversation ended with my tail humbly tucked between my legs and saying meekly, <laughs> I, I guess this is what road rage on a Monday looks like, huh? The cop gave me the same reassuring smile that he gave me when he first approached my car and said, Hey, it happens to all of us. Just be safe merging back into the highway, okay? Alright, thank you, officer, I said. Drive safe. As you may have guessed, I merged back into the highway, safe and sound. Now... Any kind of thought could have run through my head in that moment, such as, wow, I'm so grateful that happened the way it did. Or, I didn't want that to happen, but at the very least, I got very lucky that he was so kind and understanding. 
But what was actually going through my head as I made sure that I was staying within the 75 mile an hour speed limit was this speeding ticket is going to be so goddamn expensive. The rest of the drive went as routine as I could go and I arrived home only to jump straight into bed and try to sleep off whatever the hell I had rattling in my brain. The next morning was complemented with the gray of an early morning spring storm, and I was rocking not baggy but pretty loose gym clothes. Loose enough to slip my newly obtained iPhone 13 Pro in and out without dealing with any friction against the fabric. So much so that as I slammed the car door shut and sat down, I felt the phone slide its way around my pocket, zoom out the entrance, and clank and rattle its way down to the bottom of the car floor. Snugged perfectly between the door and the side of the seat, just enough to where my hand was struggling to find a good grip on the freaking phone. I finally found my common sense, since I don't know where it went, opened the door, grabbed the phone, and inspected it. From the side, the screen had cracked and had that signature discoloring to the images it displayed. I only had that new phone for three days, and it was enough for me to declare, yep, sounds about right. I spiked the volume up for the Doom Eternal soundtrack and just made my way to the gym, within the speed limit this time. And during this time of my fitness journey, I was independently doing Jeff Nippert's workout program that involved some of the most demanding workouts I had experienced at the time. The workouts were always full body, five days a week, but four of them would start with one of the power lifts. The bench press, the back squat, the deadlift, or depending on who you talk to, the overhead press. I walked around the track to mentally prep myself for deadlift day where I was projected to do four to six reps roughly of what used to be 90% of my personal best. I was beginning to feel some discomfort in my lower back and although it was enough to notice, it wasn't enough to stop the workout and instead just lean more and more on stretching and better dieting before and after the workout. Self-care over self-destruction, if you will. I waited not so patiently for one of the lifting racks to open and when it was open, I did some light stretching and about three or four warm-up sets. But I couldn't think straight no matter how focused I became on my form or my technique. I just kept thinking about how ridiculous it was that my phone cracked so early into my having it and trying to figure out how the hell I was going to pay for the speeding ticket. Eventually, there was enough time that passed to where I felt I had to load up the weight and just get it done before I wasted too much time sitting around and skulking. I stepped up to the bar latched onto the grip, and started rolling the bar to prep myself. Now that I know a thing or two about proper form, I now realize that it's not necessarily a good idea to roll the weight in case anybody power lifts. It's not a good idea to roll the weight when you're deadlifting, only because it's a bit of a cheat. I mean, it gets its name from the fact that you have to lift the weight when it's dead still. So, I'm rolling, I brace, and the bar starts to take off, right? And it feels solid, like I'm not gonna break something. My back feels great because the adrenaline's there, my legs feel good, the bar's away from my shins, about two or three inches away, which again, isn't the best form, but I can still lift it, and I begin to feel an abnormal amount of moisture in my hands. My grip was solid, 
but the sweat my hands started to get was a little more excessive than usual, and I blamed that on the fact that I was so anxious and stressed out over everything that had happened before. I was just a few inches away from locking in that first rep and straightening my body at the top when the barbell started to sneak its way out of my left hand until finally it found its freedom. The weights on the barbell smacked against the floor, my hand went straight up like I had a question, and my torso cranked all the way to the side where my feet stood bolted where they originally were. I wasn't paralyzed, thank god, but that would later become a catalyst for what's known as piriformis syndrome. This is when the piriformis muscle is sprained or otherwise injured to where the simplest things such as standing, lifting, walking, or even bending down causes sharp pain in your glutes and your lower back. And it's because even though it's the smallest muscle in your glutes, it's the muscle that pulls down on your pelvic bone to help you walk. So for the next week or so, my walk was uneven. Basically, I had a limp. And I thought how perfect it was that some people get their bones broken, others lose an arm or a leg, and I pull my butt. Although I was pretty pig-headed to begin with, it was easily enough of a jolt to my body to slow down and do some kind of a walk back to my car and call it a day an hour and a half early. And now that we've got ourselves a bit of a rant and now that we got that rant out of the way, the next question here is, where did this come from and why did it impact me the way it did? Well, since I was almost bedridden from a busted left cheek, I thought about this for a good while, and after some sleep and light stretching, I figured that it had to be some time just before I started my drive back to Ogden. Just before I got into my car, and I remember this specifically, I grabbed my phone from the charger, and for one reason or another, I felt obligated to look at my bank account. And because of unexpected expenses, it was a lot lower than I assumed it was going to be. But that makes sense, right? When money just randomly disappears from your checkings, how does that not trigger stress and anxiety? And that's absolutely justifiable. But the problem comes from letting it linger and fester and being passive about the momentum of your thoughts. Like I said in the beginning of this episode, awareness is a muscle, but it's a very unique muscle because it grows in various ways, typically in either a positive, a negative, or a neutral way. To put titles on it, so to speak, this is feeling optimistic, pessimistic, or stoic. When I merged back into the highway, the first thought I had was, now I have to figure out how to deal with another unexpected expense because it's my fault. And because I was so focused on the other unexpected expenses. When my phone cracked under the radar, I was furious that something so expensive was broken so quickly. When I injured myself deadlifting, I didn't worry about financial things at first because I was in pain. But then I began to psych myself out because I had to figure out whether or not this was worthy of a hospital visit. That's the reality of negative momentum in awareness. But the positive aspect would have started with, well, I'm low on funds, so I'll figure out why and just be smart with the money I currently have from here on out. And that alone would have prevented the majority of the problems I faced. I would have probably stayed in the speed limit. I would have been more conscientious about where my phone was, and I would have better focus while deadlifting. But if I got pulled over while having positive awareness, 
I would have better acknowledged the kindness and the understanding that the officer showed me. If my phone cracked while having positive awareness, I would have taken a closer look and realized that only the screen protector cracked, not the screen itself. If I felt injured during my deadlift while having positive awareness, I would have stopped and asked for help and rested and stretched as much as I possibly could. And the nice part is, all of these moments of positive awareness did happen. But they happened because what I wound up doing through my own self-hypnosis techniques is I slowed down my momentum and redirected it while hypnotized with more soothing and uplifted suggestions. That's what a lot of people tend to get frustrated by. If you're not careful, negative awareness becomes a train. You can stop it, but you can't halt it. When you're in the heat of the moment, that can't always come to pass. You can't always look on the bright side of life, but by slowing down and grounding yourself in the present moment, you become better at looking at your surroundings from a neutral perspective, so you can then interpret and identify the positive things and rebuild that muscle to the other side of the equation. And thanks to that approach, I put aside more money than usual to pay off the ticket in one payment a lot faster than I thought I was gonna pay it off, my body completely recovered, and I worked with a personal trainer to learn proper deadlifting form, and I got a protective phone case. In addition to all this, I began to use hypnosis to work on my spending habits and become more and more financially aware just to make sure that it wouldn't happen again, but in the case that it did, I would be better prepared to react better to that circumstance. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home. I hope this episode leaves you better than it found you, and if anything in this episode spoke to you, whether that's learning to be present, having better spending habits, or preventing getting your butt sprained, feel free to reach out on Instagram at mklotprohobbyist, and I would love to help in any way I can. Thank you as always, and until next time, here's to finding your way.